Well, today's scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And we're going to read that in the NIV. Um, I'll be preaching from the ESV, but it's kind of nice to hear uh, two different translations there. And uh, so we encourage you to find the scripture, um, either in a pew Bible, your own Bible, or uh, if you brought a, uh, if you have a Bible app on your phone, uh, all those are good. And also, uh, the, it will be projected behind me. So once you are ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able. We're going to do an alternate reading, which means that I'll read the first verse. We'll all respond with the verse after that. We'll keep going back and forth until the end. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, this is part two in our sermon series, The Grace Experience. And what this sermon series is about is about actually experiencing grace, not just talking about it, uh, not just, you know, hearing somebody sermonize on it, uh, but for us to actually practice, because to me, I think that is of great value. It is nice to learn the principles. You know, I I think sermons are great. You know, I do them for a living. (laughs) But at the same time, I think that if we're just hearing this information, if it's just intellectual, then you know, what good is that ultimately, you know, that we must actually do, we must actually live this Christian life. And so we want to give you uh, some tools for how to receive grace, um, as as that song that we sang uh, about, you know, grace falling like rain and that we want to receive the rain. You know, we want to figure out how do we better do that. And so uh, the, the sermons in this series are going to be a little bit shorter than normal, but we are, there's going to be an experiential element. It's not going to be a quick, like, 20-second prayer, but we'll spend a few minutes uh, practicing some of the stuff we're talking about, okay? So I uh, just want to give you fair warning because I think sometimes in our routine, we're so used to church as it is, and we settle in, and we're like, okay, this is where I passively, you know, engage the message. Like, we want active engagement. We want you to, to listen But listen in a way because you know that in a moment you're going to be doing like what what you're doing, you know? So it's like one thing, if I were going to um, like, uh, I don't know, like listen to some lecture or watch a YouTube video about how to go skydiving, if I know I'm not going to go skydiving, I may not really listen all that well. But if I know I'm going to go skydiving, oh, you better bet I'm going to listen, right? <laughs> and so that's what we're kind of hoping is that, you know, we're not going to be do- doing something so dangerous as skydiving, uh, but you are going to be doing something. So we, we hope that uh, uh, you listen with that in mind. Uh, so the, the sermon today is called The Grace Identity. And, you know, when, when I came up with the title for this sermon, it made me think of this, uh, this movie uh, called The Born Identity. It, it came out, like, I think in, like, the early 2000s. Um, 
And by the way, I, I don't know, have, have any of you guys seen any of the Born Identity movies? Like, like Matt Damon? Okay, a lot of you guys have seen it. They, they've been a ton of these. And by the way, if you've never seen one, I want to save you guys a lot of money and time. Just watch one. Just watch one because they're all the same. They're the exact same movie. <laughs> so just watch one and you're good. But basically, uh, the way the first one starts is with Jason Bourne just floating in the ocean. It's just this dude that, that some you know, ship comes along and they fish this guy out of the ocean. And this guy, they're like, hey, who are you? He's like, I don't know. Because it's called the Born Identity, right? So it's about him trying to find his identity. He doesn't know who he is. But it turns out that this dude, Jason Bourne, has these incredible like ninja spy skills, right? And so he's trying to figure out, like, what is this? Like, why do I have these crazy ninja spy skills? Who am I? Is my name really Jason Bourne? You know, and so that's what the movie's all about, trying to find who you are. And maybe for a lot of us, that's a lot of what life is about, trying to find who you are, trying to establish a name for yourself, trying to establish an identity for yourself. And when you don't know who you are, it can actually cause a lot of chaos in your life. And a lot of your life can be built on trying to find this identity. So there's this guy, a very famous boxer uh, named George Foreman. A lot of us don't know George Foreman as a boxer. Uh, So on the left is during his boxing days, he had a lot of hair. (laughs) But on the right, uh, he's holding a Bible because he's a pastor now. But uh, uh, George Foreman is the guy like, like probably best known for the George Foreman grill. Any of you guys have a George Foreman grill? Yeah, okay. So he was a boxer before he was a pitch man for these like, like TV infomercial you know, grills that you see. Uh, but George Foreman, um, it's interesting because I wanted to show you kind of this before and after picture because George Foreman, as he was growing up, and George Foreman uh, in his heydays of his boxing career is completely different than the smiling pastor and you know, grill pitch man that you see today. And a, a lot of that was because of his upbringing. And so George Foreman grew up in a very, um, very rough part of uh, Houston, um, and he was one of seven kids. He had six brothers and sisters. And uh, his father, or who he thought was his father, uh, left his family when he was five years old. And it caused a lot of chaos in the family. His mom was overwhelmed, trying to raise these seven kids on her own, and George Foreman never felt like he belonged. Everyone in his family would treat him differently. You don't really know why. And, and so he was a big kid. So he started to act out in, in the way, best way he knew how, physically. Like beat people up, mug people, you know, got into all kinds of trouble. And he took up boxing because he was so physically big and imposing. And he became a very good boxer. You know, he, he won a world championship, world heavyweight championship. He fought guys like Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. You know, and he was a very, very successful dude. But at some point in 1974, at the height of his career, somebody told him, I, I don't know if it was his mom or he found out that his father was not his father. That he actually was, you know, the child of another man who he had never met. And that was why he never felt like he belonged. That's because everyone else in his family knew it. They all treated him like, hey, you're not really part of this family. We don't have the same father. So all his siblings would treat him differently. And so George Foreman, um, you know, he, he, he actually ended up accepting Christ later in his life, and it totally changed his life. 
you know, it totally just changes his lifestyle. And you see this guy who's like smiling and joyful. And, you know, maybe some of that is because he wants you to buy a grill, you know. <laughs> but I, I really see and think that his life has been changed a lot. And one of the things about George Foreman that is kind of, kind of humorous is that he has five sons. And they're all named George. So he named every single son George. And so when you ask him why... Like, well, why did you name every son George? You know, like George Jr., George II, George III. He's got like a nickname for all of them. It's a funny thing. And, and when he's being humorous, he'll say, oh, see, I'm a boxer. I fought like Frazier and Ali. I got hit in the head a lot. I can't remember all the names of all my kids. You know, so I, I just named them all George. It's just easy that way because I'll remember my own name. Um, but actually in more serious interviews, and, and he, he's written like an, uh, I think he has an autobiography out. He's said the actual real reason why he's named every son George. And it's because he didn't know who his father was. He never wanted his sons to have that same pain. And so uh, I want to read you, actually, this is in an interview. Um, This is one of the things he said. He said, I wanted my boys to have something that nobody could ever take from them. And I figured, give them a name that they could run into whenever they had problems or if they ever got lost. So he said to himself, I never want my boys to go through what I went went through, not knowing who their father is, because they'll always know, hey, George, I have a father and his name is George because that's my name too. Friends, that identity of knowing who you are and whose you are is so important. And knowing specifically that you have a father. In messages like these, uh, it's sort of like you have to have this kind of like disclaimer a little bit. Because some of us, we have wonderful fathers. We have great relationships with our parents. Some of us may not. Some of us may not know our parents or not know them well. You know, and regardless of, of who you are, if you're a George Foreman or if you're somebody who has a great earthly father, the, the truth is that we all have a heavenly father. But the thing that's very interesting to me um, is that the way that the Bible talks about our heavenly father is that not everyone really knows that they have a father. Nowadays, when you hear people talk about God as father, it's just this this automatic fact. Like, oh, of course God is my father. He's everyone's father. But that's actually not what people always believed, especially uh, the Israelites and the Jewish people. They didn't always believe that. Uh, In the Hebrew Bible, there are very few times where God is ever called father. Actually, he's referred to like kind of like metaphorically. God is like a father, like something like that. But the, 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 the Jewish people would never actually call God Father. Why? It was blasphemous, right? Like God is your creator, and he could just stomp you out like the bug that you are, you know, in many ways, without a second thought. And that's, every, that's God's right. You know, we, we hopefully believe that God is loving and compassionate. He's not going to do that on a regular basis, but he could. He could just extinguish you without a thought. Right? And so the Jewish people had this great fear and respect and reverence of God. And for you to compare God to, to something so mundane as a father, no, you don't get to do that. 
And so it's different with Jesus because Jesus would call God Abba, Father, right? Which is, you know, a, a term of endearment. It's like Daddy or Appa in Korean, you know? And so it was so different, Jesus' way uh, of addressing God. And that the most famous scripture verse uh, yeah, probably in the entire Bible is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, or the, the old King James language, only begotten son. Was it begotten? Who begot you? <laughs> what does it mean? It means only naturally born son, right? Or sometimes it says one and only son, right? So God has only one natural born son. It's Jesus, right? Then what does that make the rest of us? Is God our father? Yes. But how does God become our father? Through adoption. And that's exactly what it talks about in Romans. So this is what we read just a moment ago. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, in a lot of your, your, your Bibles, they have like, like little footnotes whenever it says sons here. And the reason why it says sons and not sons and daughters is because uh, sons in uh, Roman times were the only ones who had full inheritance rights. And so even if you are a female, you can still have the full right of a son. And that's what it means, that you are receiving an adoption to sonship, which means you get the full inheritance rights that a son would get, even if you are a girl. Okay? So don't think when it says this that it's excluding females. What it's trying to tell you is that you get full access uh, of Jesus Christ himself. The way that God thinks about Jesus, all the rights that Jesus has as a son of God, all the privileges, all the duties and responsibilities, you get as well. If you are a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, right? And so we can receive that. Um, if we are led by the Spirit of God. Now, it's very interesting here. The way we usually read this, or the way we think about it, is for all who are, um, well, it says for all who are led by the Spirit of God. But I think most of us, we think it's all who were led by the Spirit of God. In other words, what? Uh, when it talks about verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. A lot of us think of this as a one and done event. There is one time in your life where, you know, you're at a retreat or you're at a revival or you're at church or Sunday school and the spirit of God comes on you in some way and then you are able to cry out, Abba, Father. You are able to say, yes, Lord, I believe, I believe you sent Jesus to come and die for me. And we're like, ah, congratulations. You are adopted into the family of God, right? We're like, this is so great. This is so awesome. But look at what it says, verse 14. It doesn't say for all who were led by the Spirit of God. It says for all who are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, friends, this is something that should continually be happening. Once and for all, you become a child of God. 
but we need to be led by the Spirit of God to continually live as a child of God. And so what, what most of us think of uh, uh, when we say, oh, you know, I'm a child of God, or we're all children of God, we're all God's children, is we think of it in just some biological sense, right? Like God created you, right? But what we saw from the life of George Foreman and what we see from our lives and even what it's talking about here is that having a father is different than just having a creator. Having a father implies a relationship. Having a father implies an identity. So in the Jewish world, if you uh, were your father's son, especially the sons, right, you would get all of their money, their inheritance when they died, right? Especially if there's just one son. Now, if there's more than one son, right, then you got to split it, right, which you get that whole story of the prodigal son, right, the older son and the younger son. They had to share the inheritance. They had to split it. And... Not only that, but it's not just what you get out of it, but it's what you get to do. So let's say if your father had a store or a business or something, right? What would happen to that store or business? Now, of course, things operated differently in biblical times. But if, if your father were to die or if your father were to retire, who takes over? The son, right? They take over the business, Right? That's part of the inheritance, is you continue in the family line. That is expected. That is what it means to be a son, right? And so adoption was actually a big deal in Roman times. Because if you didn't have a son, then who was going to continue your line and your legacy? And so you might think adoption is a modern phenomenon, but it's not. Because there are a lot of people who couldn't have biological sons. And so adoption was very well understood in the Roman world. It happened all the time. Because all the time there were people who couldn't have sons. But you had to have one to continue your work, to continue your legacy, to continue your name. And friends, in many, many ways, all of these things are applying to us as the children of God. It is an identity, and it is an identity that you are meant to have and to hold and to be sacred in your life. What does it say, verse 15? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have the, received the spirit of adoption as sons. You ever see those movies where there's like some like rich kid's son? Some powerful person's son. And that snotty little kid, like somebody messes with him and disrespects him. And that snotty little kid is like, you can't treat me this way. Do you know who my father is? And, and we're like, okay, kid, you know, you just want to slap that kid. He's so annoying, right? But in some ways, he's right. In some ways, who his father is matters. Do you know who my father is? If you knew who my father was, you would not be messing with me. In some ways, he's right. What about for us? Do we know who our father is? Do we go around life being afraid, having a spirit of fear, feeling anxious and worried all the time? But if we knew who our father was, do we really need to be afraid? There's this great hymn and uh, we're actually going to look at it in, in a moment. Um, it's called My Father's World. This is my Father's world. 
And to my listening ear, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders bought. And it talks about everything around you is the father's world. You know, the birds chirping and the trees, you know, it's all God's. It all belongs to God. And the, the last verse is my favorite. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget. Never forget. It's just they, they wanted to fit in the music timing, so they made it one syllable. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Friends, there are so many times where I'm so uncomfortable in this world. I'm so anxious. I'm so afraid of what's going to happen to me in this world. This world is scary and uncertain. And in some ways it is. I, I agree with that. But this is our Father's world. All of this is His. And if that's true, if we knew that in our bones, do we have anything to be afraid of? Do we need to be anxious in this world as we walk around it? Knowing who our Father is and having that identity firmly in place. And so, friends, um, you know, I want to go on uh, to verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, the Spirit of God is witnessing to our spirit, reminding us, You are the child of God. This is part of what the Holy Spirit does, this is part of what we need the Holy Spirit to do. And it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, friends, this part, the last part of 17 is a part we don't like as much. And, and actually, a lot of times when you hear people preach it, they leave out verse 17. Why? Because it sounds conditional. Right? They're like, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Why is it provided that we suffer with him? Why do you have to suffer with God if you are a child of God? Why? Why? Because if you are your father's son, if you are a child of God, then you are expected to become like Christ, right? Jesus is God's true son. And all of us are meant to be sons and daughters just like Christ. You're taking up the family business. This is not an option. You can't say, God, give me the money. That's all I want. But I don't want to live with you anymore. I don't want to actually do what you do. If you do that, you know what you get? You get the prodigal son. That's who the prodigal son is. He wants the benefits of God without actually living with God. And you can't have that. It doesn't work. And what happens to the prodigal son, by the way? The prodigal son goes out, he wastes all the money. He spends it, and then it's gone, right? All that grace, all of the good things that God gave him, they're gone. And then life gets hard. There's a famine. He's hungry. And he's out there, and he's feeding pigs slop. And he's out there looking at the pigs, looking at the slop and like, mm, that slop is starting to look good because I'm so hungry. And in that moment, what does he remember? He, the, the Bible says he came to his senses. He remembered something that he had forgotten. What did he forget? 
What did he forget? Well, he forgot a couple things. He forgot the goodness of his father, the the wealth, uh, the providence of his father. He said, oh my gosh, even my father's servants, they eat better than me, right? They eat better than this. I'll just go back and become a servant. But what he ultimately forgot was what? He forgot that he was his father's son. That's what he forgot. And this is what happens, friends. If we do not live by the Spirit of God, as it says in verse 14, those who walk in the Spirit of God, who live by the Spirit of God, will be the children of God. Because you need the Spirit to remind you. And if you don't let the Spirit remind you, you will forget. Just like the prodigal son. And just like us, isn't that us, friends, all the time? Don't we forget? We're out there in the world, and you are royalty. You are God's child. God loves you. You are God's masterpiece. He loves you so much. You are beautiful, and you have the mark of the creator about you. You have destiny about you to be a kingdom builder. It is an awesome thing. And we live out there just like everyone else who doesn't know their heavenly father. We don't know. We forget. And every little thing that happens to us, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? Oh my gosh. The world, so uncertain. All these crazy people walking around with, with nuclear weapons and you know, threatening each other. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm so scared. I'm so afraid. What's going to happen in my life? Man, I didn't get that promotion. What does that mean about me? Man, does that mean I'm a failure? Oh, man, that person rejected me. Yeah, I, I put all these eggs in this emotional basket. I asked that girl out, and she said no. And she said, you're ugly, and you're only a friend, but an ugly friend. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean about me? Friends, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten who you are? I think we have. And so we think that becoming a child of God is a one-and-done thing. You did it once in your life, and that's going to carry you for the rest of life. But that wasn't the case for the prodigal son. When he went out there living in the world, living in the world of famine, his spirit dried up. He was living in a world of famine. And he forgot who he was. And so if we walk by the Spirit of God, but that means we must walk according to the Spirit of God and what the Spirit is calling you to do. Right? Who are we, friends? We are Christians. You're a little Christ. That's who you are. That's who we are meant to be. So anytime that someone talks about, like, oh, man, these Christians are hypocrites. Man, these Christians are not loving people. And these Christians are bigoted and prejudiced. And these Christians think they're better than everyone. I'm like, man, well, okay, maybe they're Christian by label. But they're not Christian in identity, are they? We've forgotten who we are then. Because what it means to be a Christian, it means to become like Christ. If you suffer with him, what does that mean? Take up your cross and follow him. That's how Jesus suffered, isn't it? So that's going to mean certain things in life. That your life will be a little bit different than other people. I don't get to cheat and steal and lie whenever it's convenient to me. I don't get to do that anymore. I don't get to be bigoted and prejudiced. I don't get to just live a selfish life the way I want to if I am a Christian, right? If I'm going to take up my cross and die to those things, yes, that's going to be some suffering. It is easier. It is more comfortable to just remain who you are. 
It is. To not have to question who you are. To just stay in your old habits, in your old ways of being. Right? To just be as, 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 uh, you know, as angry and as bigoted and as selfish as you want to be. So to fix that, you're going to have to take up your cross. And it's going to be suffering. Right? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's a good kind of suffering. It's a redemptive suffering. Just like Jesus' suffering. Jesus' suffering saved the entire world, right? So don't think it's an empty suffering, friends. But make no mistake, if you are a child of God, you're going to suffer with God. This idea, you, you did it once, you just said this magic prayer in your head, and you just believed it, and then for all time, you are a child of God. That is absolutely true. But the problem is, are you going to remember that you are a child of God for all time? And my contention is, you will not. You're going to forget. You're going to start acting like, feeling like you are not a child of God if you are outside of the presence of God, right? Does that make sense, friends? So we went over last week. We, we said that God's grace are gifts, right? So we had this picture of a lady opening a gift, right? Just to drive the point home <laughs> visually. You know, and what we need, friends, in this Christian life is we need to receive those gifts of grace every day. And so I said this thing also, in keeping with that, that spiritual disciplines are not about earning grace. What makes you a child of God? What earns you the right? What paid the cost? Jesus' blood, Jesus' sacrifice alone. You cannot buy admission into the kingdom of God by your good deeds. You cannot buy your identity as a son or daughter of God by how good you are. That's already been won for you by Jesus. But you need to receive it. Every day. You need to walk by the Spirit of God. And by the way, friends, if you forget it, you're going to need the Spirit to remind you. Do you ever feel in your bones or feel in your heart and spirit, man, I'm just forgetting who I am as a Christian. Man, I'm especially selfish today. I'm especially angry. I'm especially anxious and worried. I'm especially lonely. I'm especially just uncontent in the things that, that I have in, the thi- in who I am. And all of those things, friends, I think are a product of forgetting who you are. Just think about it, friends. If you believed, truly believed, not just in your head, but in your heart, in your spirit, in every fiber of your being, every cell, you just believed, I am a child of God who is beloved by a living God who gave everything, poured out the blessings of heaven through Jesus Christ so that I could be the child of God. If I knew that and believed that, and I believed that my father was his mighty father and creator, and I have nothing to be afraid of walking around in this world, friends, wouldn't that make the ultimate difference in how you act and how you live, in, in, in your peace, in your joy? You know, and that is something that I need. On my best days, I have that. You know, and some of you guys uh, uh, came back from really fantastic experiences this summer. You were reminded of God's love for you. You were reminded that you were God's child. You know, some of you guys served as like counselors at Mickey, you know, and I, I hope for all of you, you've had that experience already of being adopted as a child of God, right? And you probably got to see people do that for the first time. How did that feel? You know, like hearing the pastor talk about you're a child of God and then you prayed 
and you had all these people around you praying for that to become a child of God. And, and it's not just like we're watching that, you know, and we're just living vicariously through them. We're like an outsider being like, oh yeah, I remember what that was like. Oh, that was awesome. But I think for a lot of us, we feel that joy again, don't we? We feel that peace again. We feel that, that, that spiritual presence of God in our lives in an unmistakable way. And that's something we need more than just once a year, more than once a lifetime. If you can, I highly recommend it every day. You know, maybe that's just your default. Like, I'm a child of God, and it doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter how they treat me. It doesn't matter if I fail. I know this. And that joy carries you. But for some of us, we just go such a long time forgetting to remind ourselves of that. Or just living in this world. I mean, it's a place of drought and famine when it comes to the Spirit of God in a lot of ways. Yes, God's Spirit is just tripping from the heavens. It is like rain coming down. But we must find ways to receive that. You know, maybe you're going into something. I don't know, you're an athlete. You're going to some tournament or athletic event. And sometimes when you fail, it feels like you're a failure when you don't make it. Or you're auditioning for a school play or for, you know, you're you're applying to a job. There's something where identity is at stake in many cases. Man, if I don't get this, what does that mean about me? I'm a loser. I'm a failure. You know, my parents are never going to forgive me or, you know, whatever. It means something about me. Maybe in that moment, you need to remind yourself before and after. You're on your way to that job interview, and you just keep saying to yourself, you keep praying, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. This changes nothing. What happens if you fail as a child? Now, I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be. I know families don't always operate this way. But if my child were to fail, is, is, do, do I say to them, you are no longer my daughter? <laughs> you know, you have disgraced the family. Of course not. Hey, you know what? You'll get it next time. You know, I love you. This doesn't change who you are. You're still my daughter. You know, I still love you every bit as much at this moment than if you had succeeded. This changes nothing. And we need that, friends. We need that identity. We need that confidence in who we are as a child of God. You know, there may be moments throughout the day where you could pray that. You know, we talked last week about taking time during the day uh, to spend time with God in silence, you know, and, and there's a lot of different elements that you could have to this. And last week, we practiced that. We took 10 minutes to practice that. Today, we're not going to take quite uh, 10 minutes. We'll, let's do a good solid five minutes, okay? I'm going to set my timer, and in a moment, um, this is the experiential uh, part, because friends... Some of you, you've been sitting through sermons like this. A lot of the things I said, it's not new information to you. But you still may not know in your heart of hearts that you are a child of God. And maybe you knew that at one point, but you've forgotten. Man, all the anxiety and fear and anger and feeling out of control, all the things that you are feeling in life are confirming for you. Man, if I knew that at some point in my life, I forgot it. I need to be reminded. So friends, I want to give you an actual opportunity to pray that, to be still before God. And so this is what we did last week uh, as we entered into the presence of God. You know, make yourself comfortable, you know, put your, your, your back straight up against uh, the seat, 
you know, hopefully that's not too uncomfortable. But I find like sitting up straight, it helps me to kind of stay attentive. And you're going to want to stay attentive for this. You know, so you can bow your head if that is really the best position for you. But for me, blood rushes to, to, to my head and, and I start to get drowsy and I, I start to lose focus. So I, I don't like that as a prayer position personally. Um, but whatever works for you, friends. Let's take a moment. If you want to close your eyes, you want to keep your eyes open, doesn't matter. Whatever helps you focus. Let's take some deep cleansing breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. So like this. Like real deep ones. Let's do that again. You're breathing in God's spirit, friends. Believe that. You're breathing in God's spirit. Let's do that again. Let's start to invoke the presence of God, the spirit of God. You know, you can uh, pray something like, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come be present. Lord, I am making my life, my heart available to you. God, I want to be with you. Just declare your intent as you continue to take breaths before God. So let's do that right now. Let's take some deep breaths. Let's invoke the presence of God. Let's come into the manifest presence of God. Yeah, that's another praise song we sang. It talks about how God is always here. But whether or not we know that and sense that, that's the thing that we need. So let's do that right now. Let's invoke the presence of God. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, be here. If you're feeling any resistance, you're feeling distracted, maybe there's something bothering you, if you want to just take a, a, a moment to confess that. God, I'm a little worried here. God, I'm I just uh, feeling really anxious. I'm not sure what this is about. Just lay that before God's feet. And just imagine that, that grace is like an ocean. And the ocean wave is just going to take that worry and just take it away from you. It's going to wash it and just bring it back out to sea, never to be seen again. Just bring that before God. Let the tide of grace just take that away from you. So friends, as we continue to do that, I want to encourage you to take a moment to think about your relationship with God and your identity in God. Who are you? Whose are you? Do you know in your heart of hearts or have you forgotten that God is your Father by the Holy Spirit, that His Spirit is testifying to your spirit, telling your spirit, confirming to you that you are a child of God who is loved exactly as you are. God loves you and he wants to make you and shape you more into the masterpiece that you are. But nothing in this life, nothing you do, nothing anyone says, nothing you accomplish, nothing you fail at will take away this identity of being a child of God who's beloved of the Father. God looks at you and he's proud of you and he's smiling upon you. Friends, let's just take a moment and pray that. If you know it already, confirm that to your spirit. Just pray that simple prayer. I am a child of God. You love me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for reminding me who I am. You know, even if you're not sure, you can ask God, God, I want to know this. 
I want to know that I'm a child of God. Friends, if you're having a hard time with this, you know, you can extemporaneously pray whatever comes in your heart and mind. Go ahead. Go for it. There is great freedom in the presence of God to do that. But if you're really struggling, just continue to take deep breaths and just repeat, I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the Most High. I am a son of God. Just repeat something like that over and over slowly and just receive that truth. Just let it wash over you as you breathe in God's Spirit. Let's just take a few more moments, friends, to continue to do that. Can I have the praise team come up? And uh, as they're coming up, friends, I just, I encourage you to uh, continually make this a practice of spending time with God. And part of that can be reminding yourself, reminding your heart and your spirit that you are a child of God. So let us pray. God, we thank you for this great truth of who we are in you a truth that can never be taken away from us, God, but can be forgotten, Lord. And Lord, just for a lot of us, God, we we are forgetful people. We are all forgetful in many ways. We live in a a world of drought and famine, God, uh, that is just living by a different way of being, just trying to prove our greatness and our worth by what we do, how good we are, how successful we are. Lord, that is just so suffocating to our spirits, God. We need to be reminded, Lord, of that simple truth, just how lovely we are, that we are the children of God. We are Christians. Lord, we bear that mark, and we can walk in your spirit every day as we're reminded of that truth. So God, set us free. Help us to know, God, without a shadow of a doubt, just how loved just how precious we are in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.